Ben Franklin supposedly once said, there are two certainties in life. Death and taxes. We shake our head because taxes are pretty frustrating, aren't they? No matter how much we try, we can't get out of them. Uh, We can try to avoid them, and maybe we can cheat the system to avoid them for a little bit, but they're going to catch up to us, and we're going to have to pay the taxes. They're unavoidable. It's frustrating. But the other object of that sentence is even more frustrating, even scarier, even more unavoidable, and that's death. Death is the scariest thing that you and I face in this life, isn't it? And it's because no matter how how much we try to avoid it, no matter what we do, uh, we're going to die. We may be able to cheat death for a little bit, but it's going to catch up to us. It's a fact of life. It just is. And it is so scary that it is behind the majority of our fears. The majority of our fears really behind it, behind it all is it comes back to death. For instance, if, if money stops coming in, we begin to get uh, anxious and worried and fearful. Why? Well, because if money's not coming in and I can't pay my mortgage, the bank is going to foreclose on my home and kick me out. And if I'm kicked out and I'm living on the streets, then what? If I can't buy food, how can I eat? How can my children eat? And if we can't eat, we die. A couple weeks ago, all of Austin was on high alert because a, a man was going around and putting packages in bombs on people's doorsteps. What if that was us? What if we walked out and the package was on our front uh, step? What if one of our children opened up that package? We live in a, a society where we don't like children leaving the front yard where we can't see them. Why? Because who knows what could happen? Too many scary things can happen outside of our eyesight. And nothing causes more fear in us than to hear that word, cancer. Because what do we know? Cancer makes death a very real reality. Death is the scariest thing that we face. And it can cause even the person with the strongest faith to doubt. When death is approaching, it can make us shiver, quake. It can make us question, is there a resurrection? Am I going to rise from the dead or is the grave my end? And if there's no resurrection, where's my hope? How can I have hope in this life? How do I not despair? How do I not go into depression? Where is my significance? If there is no resurrection, where do I find hope? This was a question that the Corinthian church was struggling with in the first century. 1 Corinthians was originally a letter written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul was uh, one of the greatest missionaries to ever live. What he would do is he would travel around the known world, walk into a city, start talking about Jesus, how he lived, died, and rose again, and he would form a Christian church, build up leaders, and then leave to go to another city where he would do the exact same thing. This is just what Paul did 
for the rest of his life. From about 40 AD to 60-ish AD, he was traveling the known world setting up churches. And one of those churches was in Corinth, in Greece. And when he got to Corinth, he realized that the, the Corinthians were uh, big philosophers. What they liked to do is sit around and debate the, the most newest ideas. And so Paul comes in, and he says, Hey, let me tell you about this guy, Jesus. How he lived, died, and he rose again from the dead. He came back to life. And a Christian church was formed. And Paul did what he does best. He built up the leaders and then left to go plant another church in a different city. And it was after he left that he received a letter. And the letter said, Paul, we've got problems here. Uh, Some philosophers came into the church and said, there's no resurrection from the dead. Jesus rose, they said, because he's God. He can do anything. But as far as you and me and the rest of people, they're not going to rise from the dead. And what happens when people rely on their emotions more than on God's Word? Bad things happen, right? And so Paul writes this letter, the first one, that's why it's called 1 Corinthians. He writes this letter to them to combat this false teaching that there is no resurrection. But before he does, he says, alright, let's keep going with that, that mindset. What if there's no resurrection? What does that mean? So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 is what we call the resurrection chapter. Uh, I encourage you to go home and read the whole thing because it's just phenomenal. But we're only going to uh, look at part of it today. So Paul says, If it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless And so is your faith. If there is no resurrection, Paul says that not even Jesus has been raised from the dead. And if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, Christianity is useless. And if you're following along, uh, you got notes on the back here. If you're following along, that's your first point. If Christ hasn't been raised, Christianity is useless. Our preaching about Jesus is pointless. What I do for a living and what every Christian pastor does for a living would be meaningless and pointless. We're wasting our time. The fact that you invited friends and family to our Easter service this morning, uh, that would have been uh, pointless for you to do. You wasted their time this morning and having them come to get up early, get ready, uh, not make brunch, delay brunch, and come here. That would be pointless if Christ hasn't been raised. You should never tell anybody about Jesus again if there's no resurrection and Jesus hasn't been raised because this whole thing is just pointless. Not only is our preaching pointless, but so is our faith. Our faith in Jesus is useless. It truly, if, if Jesus hasn't been raised, then, then Christianity is truly a crutch for weak people who can't emotionally handle this hard life. And that's what we rely on to, to help us get through every day if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead. If Christ hasn't been raised, Christianity is useless. But Paul says there's even more for results. He says, More than that, 
We are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that He raised Christ from the dead. But He did not raise Him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. If Christ hasn't been raised, then we are liars. Christians are just a bunch of liars. That's what we are. The writers of the New Testament, all liars. Jesus' uh, 11 friends, His closest friends, followers that we, we call the disciples, they are the biggest liars, the biggest pranksters to, to ever walk this earth. They're a bunch of liars. Paul says earlier in chapter 15 that Jesus, when He rose from the dead, He appeared to 500 people at one time after He rose from the dead. If Christ hasn't been raised, then those 500 people came up with a lie that He rose from the dead and, and figured out all the details as to how He appeared to them. If Christ hasn't been raised, then millions and millions of people have believed a lie. You. Me. We're believing a lie. We're gullible. Not only that, but we are also liars because we've told other people about Jesus. And, and if you haven't told friends, you've told your, your children about Jesus. And then, that's lying. Because if there's no resurrection, then Jesus hasn't been raised. And we are false witnesses. Liars. If Christ hasn't been raised, Christianity is useless. Christians are liars. And the worst part is still to come. Paul says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who, who also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people, we are of all people most to be. If Christ hasn't been raised, we are still in our sins. No matter who we are, no matter what background we have, we have not lived up to expectations. We have not lived up to God's expectations, number one. But even if you're here today and you're not sure about this God thing, uh, we have not lived up to even our own expectations. We have said things that have hurt people. We have done things that have hurt other people. We have said, thought, and done things that have hurt God and gone against what God says. God's expectations for us, He tells us in the Bible, is be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. The Bible also says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all fallen short of the expectations that God has for us. And part of that falling short, part of the consequences of our sin is death, separation from God. And that's why Jesus came into the world, right? He came into the world to live, die, and rise again for us. He came into this world and He lived the perfect life. He lived up to God's holy expectations, just like God said we should. And, and He didn't do it to show us the way. He didn't do it to, as an example. He said, here, I've lived perfectly up to God's expectations. I see you haven't. 
why don't you take my perfect record? So when God looks at you, He doesn't see you as a sinner. He sees you as somebody who has kept His word perfectly. Because Jesus lived perfectly on your behalf. And then on Good Friday, Jesus died on the cross where He, he nailed all of your sins, all of your low, all the times you haven't lived up to expectations. Jesus died on the cross, taking them away, paying the debt. Debt paid in full. You are forgiven. Unless, unless if Christ hasn't been raised. If Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, then sin hasn't been conquered because death is a consequence of sin. And if sin hasn't been conquered, then we are responsible for every time that we have not lived up to expectation. And we cannot stand before God and say, God, I gave it my best. We can't say, well, I lived a pretty good life. Because God says my expectations are perfect. And it's not because He's mean. It's just a fact that a sinner cannot be in the presence of holiness. We can't live in holiness with sin. Sin has to be dealt with. And not only for us, but this is true of all your loved ones. If Christ hasn't been raised, then your loved ones that have passed away are just no more. Then we can have a relationship with God for 90 years or however long we live, but after those 90 years, our relationship with God ends and we are separated from Him forever. If Christ hasn't been raised, He's just a moral teacher. If Christ hasn't been raised, we have no hope. Then all there is is despair, depression. But, look what Paul says on the top of the next page. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when He comes, those who belong to Him. Then the end will come, when He hands over the kingdom to God the Father after He has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For He must reign until He has put all His enemies under His feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Christ is risen. He is risen from the dead. He is risen indeed. It's proven fact. Paul says this is proven. He has been raised from the dead. Fact. There are witnesses. There are witnesses to this. If Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, then this would all just be a prank by His 11 followers, right? And I don't know about you, but I'm not willing to die for a prank, and neither would the disciples. Uh, Nobody's willing to die for a lie. And yet, ten out of the eleven were put to death for preaching, Jesus rose from the dead. The authorities said, stop preaching this message, and they said, we can't. It's truth. Jesus rose. We can't tell a lie. And they were put to death. They were put to death. Remember, this was a letter written to uh, Christians in a congregation about 15, 20 years after Jesus rose from the dead. Paul is essentially challenging them. 
if, if you don't believe me, go and talk to these people. They're still alive. They're still alive. Go ask them about it. Christ has been raised from the dead. It's a proven fact. And just because some people deny it, just because some people don't believe it, doesn't change the reality that Christ rose from the dead. It's still a fact, regardless if people believe it or not. He was raised back to life. He was the first one to do it, but he's not going to be the last. Paul calls him the first fruits of those who have been raised back to life. In other words, more are coming. It's kind of like winter. Winter is the dreariest time of year, most depressing time. Not only is it cold, but all the flowers wither, they wilt, all the leaves fall off the tree, the grass turns brown, everything kind of dies, right? But what happens one spring afternoon? You walk outside and what do you notice? There's a bud on the tree. And a flower looks like it's beginning to bloom. And and hope begins to fill you, right? Because what do you know? You know that more are coming. Spring is right around the corner. Life is coming back. The same is true with Jesus. The same is true with Jesus. He, He rose from the dead. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Paul doesn't even say those who died. Because death is now just asleep. As much as death or uh, sleep doesn't mean we're, we've left existence, death doesn't mean that either. Because Christ rose. Death, life has been very dreary for people. Because death and sin have controlled us for so long. It's been a season of dreariness, depress, and, and uh, death. But Jesus rose from the dead. He rose. He came to this life and He lived the perfect life for us. He went to the cross and He died. And do you remember what He said right before He died on the cross? He said, It is finished. All of our sin has been conquered, paid for in full. We are forgiven. And then just a couple days later on Easter morning, when he raised, raised himself back to life, God said, Amen, it's finished. Amen. Mankind is forgiven. Sin's gone, at peace with God. Death no longer can hurt us because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. This is what God has done for us. He has conquered our greatest fear. Death no longer touches us. And why did He do it? Because 90 years of a relationship with you wasn't enough for Him. He said, I I want eternity with you. I want an eternal relationship with you that will never end. And so He sent Jesus to live for us, to die on the cross for us, to rise from the dead, to conquer our greatest fear, death. And that's where we find hope. It's your last point today. We have hope knowing we will rise to live. We will live. This is the greatest message that we have. Easter is not a feel-good story. It is. We feel good about it. But it's not just a story. 
It, it's not just something made up. Because if it was, then there'd be no point to life. Then we just live and then we die. But no, Christ has been raised. And we have hope because we know we will rise to live. And so when we hear that word cancer, what do we know? We still have hope because we will rise to live. When money's not coming in, we know that we are still rich because we know the riches that we have in heaven, the riches of knowing that Christ has conquered the grave, that we will rise to live. This is a hope that we have because Jesus rose. There is no guilt in life. There is no fear in death because He is risen. Oh! Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Are you ready? I'll say the whole line over again. There is no guilt in life. There is no fear in death because He is risen. Alleluia. We are going to sing a song called Crown Him with Many Crowns. If you notice verse 3, Crown Him the Lord of life who triumphed o'er, o'er the grave and rose victorious in the strife for those He came to save. His glories now we sing. Who died and rose on high. Who died eternal life to bring and lives that death may die. But before we sing, let's close with a prayer. Lord Jesus, We thank You for living for us, dying for us, and rising from the dead for us, conquering the grave. Uh, It is the greatest message that we have. Lord, open our hearts today. Send Your Holy Spirit into our hearts to strengthen us in this faith, in this message, and in this peace that You give to us every single day. As we uh, live our lives, help us not to fear death because we know we are safe and secure with You. And because You rose, we will too. In Your name we pray. Amen. Let's sing.